All right, and before we show the video, if you don't mind, a um, couple things that I want to hit really quickly. One, we have a staffing update we want to share with you. Um, Julie Law, who's been serving in early childhood almost the whole time I've been here for several years, has decided she needs to step away from that position. And one, we want to thank her for serving in that area and ministering to children and families. Um, I mean, she has a heart not just for caring for kids, but she wants to, the, the early childhood ministry, that they're partnering with families to raise a generation and spiritually investing in them. And I've always appreciated her vision. So one, she's back there. Can we thank her for, for her time of service? Yep, value all that you've invested in that, Julie. I know it's been blood, sweat, and tears. You've poured a lot into it. Um, so we will be seeking a new coordinator, and if you're interested in the position, just um, contact the church office for that if that's something you're interested in. Okay, we want to show you a video um, for the men's retreat, and then we'll do a couple other things. Hello, 12th Avenue Baptist Church. This is Pastor Keith out in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And man, oh man, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys April 29th and 30th. Um, the Lord has put this uh, retreat on my heart, um, and I have been dreaming about this, thinking about this, praying about this, and it just keeps coming up, guys. So uh, I am genuinely really excited about seeing you guys. Um, man, you got a good pastor. Garen, love you, brother. Looking forward to seeing you. Looking forward to seeing all the Forsyths. Um, so yeah, men, join us. We're going to talk about the seven fears or seven lies that uh, men battle and man, it's going to be good. It's going to be a time of getting free. It's going to be a time of getting to share things that you normally don't get to talk about, maybe in church or work or just ordinary life. So um, it's going to have some good worship, uh, just good time together, some downtime as well, time to get to know uh, men and uh, that you haven't got to know yet, and just to have some good fellowship um, together. So um, I, I, if I were you, man, I would not want to miss this one. Um, Man, we're going to talk about some things that uh, often aren't brought up in the fellowship and we don't get to uh, talk talk about very often. So, hey, just join us April 29th and 30th. I believe it's called White Memorial Camp. And I will see you guys soon. All right, Garen, good to see you. Looking good today. Like that shirt you got on, brother. I'll see you soon, man. Bye. Yeah, you don't know the pressure two weeks in a row to have to dress nice. Um because of that. I almost went out and got a Hawaiian shirt this week at Goodwill for that, but um, I really challenge you to be there for all the men to put that on your calendar. When I was here in the early 90s when we first moved here, there was a men's event that they did every, every spring, and I went to that, and some of my greatest friendships came out of that on the drive down and the time there, and so I really challenge and encourage you to, to join us for that. Ladies, Create space in your calendar for the family so that your men can go. I really encourage you to encourage uh, them to go. A couple other quick things. Scott Waters this week got the 2022 Kansas Master Teacher Award, which is a really big deal. Um, and I don't. I think Scott's out of town this week, but can we just still like give him some applause for that? And I'm going to skip that one. We do have. This book um, that last week we said something about, the, the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, it really relates to a lot of all of what we've been talking about identity. This is a very profound read 
I try to read it once a year. There's a lot of good truth in here from 1 Corinthians 4, and we're just selling them for just a dollar. That's a pretty big discount from what we got them for. So on the way out, grab one of those. And also on the way out, grab one of the Easter cards that has the schedule. I mean, Easter is next week. Um, Monday service is going to be here at 7 p.m. We're going to do Journey of the Cross on Friday like we did last year, set up in here. It was a great experience. We had a lot of people that did it, got a lot of positive feedback. And then next week, sunrise service and breakfast and normal service. So the schedule's on the card, so grab one. Grab one to invite a friend. Really challenge you. If you know somebody that you think has a little bit of interest or might have interest, Easter is a day that people will show up. And so I want to encourage you to invite people. I will be trying to speak to not just you, but I'm not trying. I will be speaking not just to you, but people who are here who don't know Jesus. I have a passion for them, people who are far from God. So um, do that on your way out. And I think I've hit everything on here. Um, so let's jump into um, to today's today's sermon, if you don't mind. I just want to start with a diagram that I've used in here before. Some of you may have been here when I did it, some, some maybe not, um, but that's what I want to start with. I just want to kind of tell you briefly my journey to the gospel. When I first encountered God many years ago as a teenager, um, I learned quickly that when you start to pursue God or want to learn about Him, you... Um, the two things always happen. You begin to have a growing awareness of God's holiness, and you also begin to have a growing awareness of your own sinfulness. And the Spirit begins to convict you and convicted me of my sin and of God's righteousness. And I began to realize that there was this gap that was separating me from God. Um, and I really began to have a sense of what I'm going to talk about this morning is my objective guilt which is my legal stand, my standing before God in relationship to my sin. It's that legal verdict before Him of, of um, guilty as charged and that judgment of His of deserving of punishment. And I really had a growing sense that this gap was insurmountable to me, that I could do nothing to cross that gap. And then I realized that that gap can only be bridged through Jesus Christ, that He came to bridge that. As 1 John 2, 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. And I realized that what we talked about a few weeks ago, that Ephesians 2.8 says that that salvation is Jesus, is only by, it's by grace alone and faith alone in Him. So I put my trust in Him, and at the point of putting in my trust in Him, I was saved from my sin, I was justified, I was declared innocent, that object of guilt got taken care of, and I was brought into relationship with God. And again, Jesus took care of that object of guilt, that my standing before him, that legal verdict of guilty as charged, he forgave me of my sin. And through Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, I gained two things. I gained a lot, but I gained full access to him, access to him and acceptance by him. Ephesians 2, 13 and 18 says, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through him we have access to the Father by one spirit. In Romans 5.17, accept one another then just as Jesus Christ has accepted you. And since that time, my Christian life has been this ongoing, ongoing growth in a greater awareness of God's holiness, in a greater awareness of my sinfulness. And as that has happened, His grace has become larger in my life and the cross has become larger to me. That's what the journey of following Jesus should be like. And that's the gospel. But I have a question this morning I want to deal with. Um, and it's this, 
we frequently talk about that at receiving Jesus, I'm declared innocent. And we talk a lot about that, how his, on the cross, he took care of my objective guilt of that legal verdict. And I want to know, does God, does the gospel speak to more than just that legal verdict of salvation where I'm justified and I'm declared innocent? And I want you to know that there is another, there is part of this, his saving work that's larger than that. And I want to explore that, explore that this morning. It is just as important as that. It seems like in a lot of gospel preaching churches, we talk so much about that objective guilt being forgiven on the cross that we never talk about the opposite, which to me is really important. And, you know, during that whole identity series, part of the reason I'm doing this sermon is I had several people I had coffee with who talked to me about a particular struggle that they had in their spiritual life. And it really relates, I mean, to identity is what kind of stirred up the conversation, but it really relates to what I want to talk about um, today. So, I thought it's something I need to speak to. And to do that first, I just want to briefly tell you my story. Because my story, the people I talked to, I totally understand because it was my story. Became a believer as a teenager, ended up feeling called into ministry, went to Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. And for whatever reason, while I was there, something happened in my spiritual life I had not experienced before. Was super busy with school, was working full-time to put myself through school, had a girlfriend uh, named Pat that I was giving time to, and I got so busy, I started neglecting my spiritual life, and I would go several days maybe, wouldn't have my time with God. And so here's what, and through my whole teenage years, I was really faithful in that. That was kind of my first time to experience that. And I started to experiencing something really interesting, that as long as I had a good day, if I had my quiet time and things were going well and I wasn't sinning too much, that I would feel confident, on, maybe at the end of the day, if it was a prayer time, I would feel confident to come to God because I had had a really good day spiritually. But what I started finding in that time when I was struggling with my quiet time, and you know what it's like, if I'm not abiding in Jesus, the flesh starts really rearing its head in your life a lot more, right? And you start being more unkind or self-centered and all of that. And as I was kind of going through those periods, it got to where I remember one, one night in particular, I, I stopped And I'm like, man, I need to go to the Lord in prayer. And as I started to go to him in prayer, I felt so guilty because I hadn't been with him for a few days and the stuff that was happening in my life that I felt totally unqualified to even go before him. I felt unworthy and I ended up shrinking back and I didn't, I like, I can't even pray. Like he won't, he's, I'm sure he's looking at me in total shame and I didn't pray that night. And then the next day I got up and it's like time for quiet time and to pray. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I, I didn't even pray last night. I'm so unworthy. And I ended up getting, finding myself, I got in this downward spiral where I just was going several days in a row and I'm like, and the longer I wasn't walking with him and the more I was doing stuff I shouldn't do, I just kept feeling more and more unworthy and I just got to where I couldn't even approach him. Anybody have, ever have that experience to where you come to prayer and you're just like, I'm unworthy, I can't even go to him. I, I hope I'm not the only one that, that struggled with that. I was really having it, I was struggling with it in a really major way. And it was at that time that I read Watchman Nee's book, The Normal Christian Life, and he had a chapter where he referenced a text in Hebrews that we're going to look at this morning that totally changed my perspective on that, that changed the way I thought about that, and it was a very freeing thing to me. And most things I learn, I still struggle in life applying them. This was something that on that day when I encountered this truth that really set me free from that, that problem being an ongoing issue in my life. Um, so a minute ago, I talked about objective guilt. There's Watchman Nee. It's a good book, Objective Guilt. But I also want to talk, and I actually want to focus more this morning on subjective guilt, which are my feelings of guilt and regret and shame. 
Um, objective guilt is my legal standing before God, which he took care of on the cross. Subjective guilt are our internal feelings of guilt and shame. And here's what I want to say about that subjective guilt, that that, that is hardwired into us as humans. He built us. That when I sin, to, to experience guilt and shame, that's a, that's a natural kind of thing. Um, he designed our conscience that way. When you come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes in you, it actually makes you more sensitive to your sin, that you, you sense more when you do that kind of thing, and he's designed us to do that way. But the, the reason God designed those emotions of guilt, shame, and regret, the end game is, is that those things would actually turn me towards him in humility that I would be drawn to him to restore the fellowship and renew my walk with him. That, that's how he intended those emotions, was to be something that pushed me towards him. But what I think some of us do when it gets unhealthy is that sense of subjective guilt can become so strong that instead of acting as something drawing me to him, that those feelings actually become barriers to him. It becomes like a ceiling that goes up, and I feel like I can't smash through those feelings of subjective guilt because I feel so unworthy. And that's what was happening to me, is I was allowing my emotions. We talked last week about how fallen our emotions are, right? My emotions of guilt and shame were actually keeping me from him. Um, I was feeling so overwhelmed, man, it's like yesterday, so overwhelmed with my sin or not walking with him well that I felt like I couldn't enter his presence. And again, it just, it became a barrier and I couldn't, I just couldn't confidently go before him. I totally lost that confidence to talk to him. And that's not how he intended it. And so I want to tell you, I have good news today that the gospel, the good news of Jesus applies to this. That on the cross, Jesus died to actually remove the barrier created by my subjective guilt. He actually died to remove that barrier, and I didn't know this. So I want to show you Hebrews chapter 10. This is the text that Watchman Nee referenced, and just follow along as I read this, because this speaks to our subjective guilt. Hebrews talks a lot about our objective guilt, Jesus dying for my sin to be saved, but this passage talks about my subjective. And here's what he says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain. That is his body. So that's another way of saying the cross, his death on the cross. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed away with pure water. I mean, when you read that, do you, rec do you not recognize some of the temple tabernacle language in that? If you remember in the Old Testament, this is really day of atonement language. One day a year, the high priest, they would kill a lamb and he would take the blood of that and he would go into that back area called the most holy place. It could only, you, only one person could go there one day a year and it was the high priest. He would put the blood on the Ark of the Covenant and he would have to enter through this, this curtain. And he would offer the blood for forgiveness of the sins of the whole nation of Israel for things they had done they didn't know that they had done. And only he could do that. It was once a year through that curtain. And so this language of Jesus, like his body being the curtain, and what we know is, is on the day that Jesus died, I mean the hour, the minute that he died, that that curtain actually tore from top to bottom. And it was God's way of saying, through Jesus now, you, every human being has total access to the Father now. To that, to that most holy place, to his throne room, that Jesus was giving us total access. And what this passage is talking about, hopefully this will become more clear, is that Jesus died not only to, talk, not only to take care of my objective guilt, but Jesus died to take care of the subjective guilt that I was struggling with so badly. I mean, look at the text. Look at this. 
Um, verse 22b, it says, He died so that our hearts can be cleansed from a guilty conscience. Referring to that subject of guilt. We're told in verses 19 and 22, He did this so we might have confidence to enter the most holy place. And we can draw near to God with full assurance. With full assurance. So here's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus was not only dying for my initial access to the Father and acceptance by Him, but He was dying also for my daily, ongoing, experiential access and acceptance by Him in that subjective realm. He was dying for both of those things. And that's why the beginning of verse 22 talks about that a living way has been, if I went back to that, that a living way has been opened up to us because Jesus is ever living as my Savior, my teacher, my Lord, my friend, ever living, that He not only died for my sin, He rose from the dead to conquer evil, to be vindicated by God. He ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, where daily, regularly, He is interceding and He is advocating on my behalf. He is ever living. I have this living access to the Father, which is so powerful. And so I want you to know this morning, when you leave here, here's what I hope you leave knowing, that this work of cleansing our conscience is a very important part of His work on the cross, but it's something that's rarely talked about. I had never heard it. Before I encountered it in that book, I'd never heard of His death for my subjective guilt. Didn't understand that. Since then, I don't think I've ever heard it. I think it's a thing probably a lot of believers don't know, and that's why I'm doing this. So in my story, I was trusting Jesus by faith, for my initial access and acceptance to the Father. But I was not trusting Him for my daily, ongoing, experiential access to the Father in prayer. Does that make sense? I was trusting Him for that objective, but not for the subjective. Because I didn't know. And so I've you know, done a lot of thought and thinking about this. And why was I not experiencing that cleansing ministry and that subjective guilt? Why was my subjective guilt eclipsing the work of the cross in my life? What was the root problem? And I would say the, the primary reason is, is our pride. Pride that results in performance spirituality. Um, I think you guys all know that the default setting of the human heart is to seek merit-based religion, right? That I earn my salvation by being a good person. That it's, it's my work that gets me there. That we come to God on our merit, our performance. And if you work with people long in the, in the world, I mean, you, that's, that is just human default nature to want to earn, to, have merit, to, to earn God through performance, to earn His acceptance. I find people who've grown up in churches that don't teach the gospel but talk a lot about being a good person really struggle with this, have a hard time like even getting the gospel, the concept of that. But that bent is so strong that I think, so I came to Jesus in faith. I put my whole trust in Him on grace. But then after that, the way I live my Christian life was kind of that, that thing again, that performance-based spirituality that I had to earn my daily you know, entrance into, into his, before Him. Does that make sense? That I, w- I, wasn't tr- I was trusting in my own righteousness um, on a perfor- performance-based spirituality. And I really think that a lot of us struggle with, we think that it is our righteousness that gets us or doesn't get us, is the grounds for us coming before the Father daily in prayer with confidence. And when we do that, here's what happens. That whenever I have this performance-based spirituality, that my ability to come confidently or not confidently before Him based on what I've done that day or the day before, that actually diminishes the cross and it diminishes the grace of God. Performance-based spirituality always diminishes the cross and the grace of God. 
we minimize the cross and grace because we think, I think that I can contribute some of my own righteousness to the equation of my ongoing acceptance and access to Him. And I really think many of us are not truly convinced the cross alone is big enough to bring us fully into the presence of God on a daily basis. That we don't really believe the cross is sufficient enough to span the entire divide of my sin. That we think we need to bring a little bit into that if we're going to come before Him. That we feel like I need a little bit of righteousness to fill up that, that righteousness quotient so I can come before Him as a worthy person. But I want you to know to live that way with this performance spirituality, it will never take care of your guilt and shame. It won't lead to lasting confidence and boldness. So, and here's how it works. You know, on a good day, maybe I've had two or three good days in a row. I've like, I've been in the Word and I've walked with Him and I've not struggled with sin very much. And on those days, I would come to Him like really confident. You know, man, I can come with confidence before the Lord today. I've done a good job. I brought a lot of righteousness into this. So I'd come confidently. But then you... But that confidence, I want you to know, is so false. It's not real, okay? It's not based on Scripture. And then the minute you have a bad day, yeah, so you feel really confident. But the minute you have a bad day and you don't do the right things, you suddenly feel that gap like, oh my gosh, I've not been enough. And there kind of becomes a little bit of this crisis, this paralyzing sense of my deficiency and that I'm unworthy to come before Him. And then if you have another bad day and another bad day like I was having, you feel that gap really big and you're like, I can't go before Him. I'm not worthy. And it's because we're not truly convinced the cross is big enough to fully bring us into the presence of God. And so we feel disqualified and we shrink back. Does that all make sense how that works? That's how a lot of people are in their walk with God. And then Satan, I talked about him a few weeks ago. He makes this so much worse because he is Revelation 12.10. He is the accuser of the saints daily. He's constantly pushing his finger into my chest and reminding me of the ways that I failed. And I'm not measured up, right? And telling me, you can't come before him. You're unworthy. You're disqualified. You're not good enough. You haven't done enough. No access for you. You're unacceptable. That's what he says. And then we believe that stuff and we shrink back like, man, I can't, I can't go to prayer right now. I'm not good enough, right? So here's what I want you to understand this morning. If I put it in a sentence. I mean, I did put it in a sentence. Here's the main thing I want you to leave with. that A truly clear conscience before God can never be based upon our own attainment. A truly clear conscience before God can never be based upon our own attainment. Never. Not at all. I really, my goal is is that we all leave here today knowing the absolute sufficiency of the cross to bring me to the Father, not just at salvation, but that He is absolutely sufficient in my daily approach, my daily access, my daily acceptance. 100% He is the one that's sufficient. And so I think we're needing desperately to claim the cross not only for our justification, but we need to claim the cross for our sanctification, for our daily walk. If you look again at Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we have confidence to enter the most holy place, confidence to enter the most holy place by, by what? By what? By my goodness today, that I had a quiet time today? No, by what? By the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to enter. Our confidence only comes by the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know the Bible is clear clear about this. As a believer, I come to God daily, solely through the blood of Jesus. 
only on his finished work on the cross. Not just in my salvation, but in my sanctification. In all of it, it's only his blood. My daily approach to God is through Jesus' merit alone and never on my own merit. Never. It's only on his merit. Period. Not on my attainment. That his acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the only ground. It's the only ground upon which I can even enter into his presence. The only ground. And whether you have a good day or a bad day, it doesn't matter. My basis, your basis of approach to God is always the same every day, every time. It is the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood for you. That's the only basis of coming to him. That's why when we do the baptism, we have this poster up there, Christ alone. Not just for my salvation, but in my daily walk, it's Christ alone. It's him alone. It's never on the grounds like, hey, I can come confidently today because I've had a good day. I had a good quiet time. I had a good time in the Word, and I shared my faith with somebody, and I didn't struggle with sin so much today. And so I'm more deserving to come before Him today. And it's never not on the opposite, like, man, I haven't had a quiet time for a week, and I've been struggling with my sin, and that's, that sin I really struggle with has come roaring back, so therefore I'm less deserving to come. That Here's what the Father would say to all of that. He would say this, don't you understand that your performance or lack of performance has absolutely nothing to do with your ability to come into my presence and be accepted by me. Nothing. You are able to stand here before me for one reason and one reason alone, because of the death of my son, because of him. When I was chaplain in Emporia State of the football team back in the Brian Shea days, um, under a couple of different coaches, because of, because of that, I had access to the locker room, I had access to practices, I'd be on the sideline for every game, and the thing that was really cool is I was given access to the coaches, uh, the, the coaches room or the coaches, uh, now I've forgotten the word for it, the coaches booth or their box that was up high. If you go to ESU, they've got the, the elevator there and you can go up to like where uh, some people like the President Shallon Camp and some people get, are up a little higher with food and up above that are the coaches. And back when I was there, there used to be a guy who would stand here guard. And if you showed up at the elevator booth, he wanted you to have some kind of proof of access to that. And he got to know me. But I want to tell you, every time I went to him to go up there, I would never say, I'm here on my name and my name alone. It's because of me and who I am that I get to go up to the coach's booth. They would have never allowed me up there. I'd show up and they knew from the first day, especially they had talked to him. I came in the name of Coach Jerry Kill. And his name was the only thing that ever got me up there. And that's how it is with my approach to Jesus. Not just at salvation, but every time I come to him in prayer, it's only in the name of Jesus. This is so important. I'm, and I'm, I know I'm sounding probably very repetitive, but it's so important, I think, that it's not that we're saved on one basis, but we come to the Father as a believer on another basis. It's all the same basis, beginning to end. My initial approach with God was through Jesus' death, and my ongoing daily approach is only through Jesus' death. From beginning to end, my ability to come before the Father is always and only through Jesus, alone. And the cross of Christ is the only ground that I ever stand on when I come to Him. There is no other ground. Do you believe that? There's no other ground, no other ground for my access and acceptance. That's why Paul reiterates this in Ephesians 3.12 where he says this, In Him, referring to Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So if I want to approach God daily with freedom and confidence, I do it in how? In, in Him. In Him. 
Even the Old Testament prophet Daniel understood this concept. In chapter 9, verse 18 of his book, he said, We do not make requests of you. I don't come to you in prayer because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy alone. I want you to know God is fully satisfied by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. That is all. That's enough. And nothing, absolutely nothing needs to be added. Nothing. And so those incessant accusations by Satan, right, that I talked about a couple of weeks ago, Revelation 12, 11 says this, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. And I want you to know that his death finally and fully answers every accusation of the accuser. Everyone, everyone is answered by that. And since my my access to the Father, my acceptance by Him is only based on the death of Jesus. I want you to know Satan has no ground to stand on in any of his accusations, none at all. And so don't ever answer his accusations by your goodness, how you look what I've done, but always go and say, it's nothing, it has nothing to do with me. It's the blood of Jesus. That's why I'm able to come with confidence and boldness before Him. So just with me, what was going on is I just didn't, understand the gospel well. Nobody had really taught me to apply it not just to my salvation, but to my ongoing sanctification. And I really didn't know at that time that I was actually shortchanging the gospel. Whenever I would cower and, and shrink back from talking to him because of I hadn't been good enough, that I was actually shortchanging the gospel. Because back then I thought the gospel was uh, the A to Z's of the Christian life. It was only about salvation. I mean, the A to A. Sorry, the ABCs, it was only about salvation, but I've come to learn that the gospel is from the totality of my Christian life. It's the A to Z's of the Christian life. That Jesus wasn't just dying for that initial acceptance and approval. He was dying for my ongoing daily access and acceptance. He didn't just die for my objective guilt, that verdict of guilty. He was dying for my internal guilt, that subjective, those feelings of guilt and shame. So again, a clear conscience before God can never be based upon our own attainment. Never. That clear conscience can only be based on the work of Jesus. And so this morning, I'm just calling us to reclaim the absolute sufficiency of the blood of Christ in that regard. To reclaim that. And so, because of Jesus, my approach to the Father in prayer, every time, should be one of boldness and confidence because it has nothing to do with what I've done that day or the other days. Does that make sense? Every time I come before Him in prayer, Father, I am here right now before You with boldness and confidence, not because of me, but because of Jesus. He's my access to You every time, and I stand on that every time. Man, is this not a great truth of the Bible? Is this not a great truth? So let's appropriate to our daily lives. In the language of Hebrews 10, let us draw near to God. Let us come boldly before the throne. Let us come with freedom and confidence, with sincere hearts and full assurance. Let us do that. Let us do that. So let me, let me get practical for just a minute of how to apply this to your life. Um, because we're all going to leave here and be like, okay, that's really important. My coming to Him has nothing to do with anything I've done. It's just, it's just Jesus, so I can come every day. Bold or confident, no matter what I have or haven't done. And you can have this under your belt, but I'm going to tell you, you're still going to struggle with this emotionally. You're going to get a couple days in, you're going to struggle spiritually, and you're going to, be like, you're going to feel like emotionally, I, I, gosh, I, I'm unworthy to come before him. 
Because initially that ha- still happened with me. And the enemy's going to be right there telling you, you cannot come to him in boldness. You cannot. You've not done enough. You're not good enough. And so I want to point you guys, take us back to that old crew train that I love using. And I want to tell you, whenever you have a bad day, don't let your feelings drive whether you can come before the throne confidently or not. We don't allow our feelings to drive our lives. We allow the fact of Scripture to drive our lives, okay? That's what drives our approach to God. That my approach to God is based on something objective and much more secure than my feelings. And we've talked about that. Our feelings are fallen and broken. We can't trust them. So here's what I want you to do. The next time you go to the Lord in prayer and you're like, you start cringing because you feel unworthy. The first thing you have to do is it comes to facts, that you have to know the truth. That when you begin to struggle, you know, ask yourself questions like these. In this moment, upon what am I trusting in as the basis of my approach to God? Am I trusting in my own righteousness, my own feelings of worthiness? Or am I trusting solely on the blood of Christ? And then go back to his word. Read Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Go to Ephesians 3, 12. Um, And then in the language of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take captive your thoughts, right? And your emotions and be like, this is where I stand. It's on the word of God. This is the reality. I come to him only on the basis of Jesus. And no matter my performance or my non-performance, I come only on the basis of the cross. And then next comes faith. So then come to him in faith. Faith is about trusting God and taking him at his word. Believing the reality of that. That the cross alone is sufficient. That that is the only thing that gives me true freedom and boldness. And so those feelings I have, instead of interpreting them in my my own thinking, you know, a non-gospel thinking that I'm unworthy, instead I interpret those things through the gospel. And I say, you know what? Jesus died not just for my objective guilt. He died for the subjective guilt that I'm struggling with right now. And then you just act upon it. That's what that trust is. Is I'm going to do the thing that I know is the right thing to do. And I'm going to come to the Father and say, Father, I'm coming again to you. It's, it's not on me. It's on you. Based only on your confidence. Father, I blew it again. I mean, this is kind of what it might sound like. I blew it again. But I'm not going to take that upon myself and allow it to become something that keeps me from coming to you. Rather, I thank you for giving me the gift of an either greater awareness of the depth of my sin and even deeper recognition I'm utterly dependent on you. And that that realization was not meant to keep me away from you, but to humbly draw me to you. And so I come, as always, with no righteousness of my own. No righteousness. I don't fully grasp this absolute sufficiency of the cross and its ultimate value to this to you, but this I know. You were and are fully satisfied with your son's sacrifice. So it is enough for me, and it is my only plea. It's my only plea. Whether I've adequately performed or not is not the point. Whenever I come to you, I come to you on the ground of the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, your son. That's how I come, and so I come. I may not feel like it, but I'm going to do it, and I'm going to come in comf- with, with an attitude of confidence. And what you'll find is, as I found, that if you start doing that, the feelings start following when you take the facts and you put them to practice, that you actually start to develop that confidence, and you get to the point that you can take some of that the guilt and shame that we're all going to struggle with, and you're like, I'm coming before the Father, but that is not going to keep me from Him. I'm coming because of Jesus' blood. And, and, you, and you start actually having a lot more confidence because you start leaving those feelings behind. That's what I found in my own life. And that in the words of 1 John three nineteen, that this is how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. That if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. 
and he knows everything. So, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence for God. So, worship team, why don't you come on out? Um, I skipped over this first service. You know, I, you got to get KU in somehow, right? National championship game this last week. And I don't know if you, you're aware of this. I became aware of this several years ago at another event. But whenever they have events like that, they give out like hundreds of different kinds of credentials that give you access, that you wear at an event, that give you access to different parts of that place. And almost all the credentials they give out, they, they give you access to some places in the stadium or some things you can go to, but they limit you to most of it. But there are a few people that get a pass that's actually called, I don't know if you can read that, it's called All Access. All Access. Here's a little, blown up a little bit more. All Access. Can you imagine having an All Access pass that anywhere in that dome last Monday, you could go to the locker room of the Jayhawks or... The, to the Tar Heels, you can go anywhere you want to go. Can you imagine having that kind of pass? And here's what I want you to know, that in Jesus, every one of us, do you know what kind of pass we've been given to the Father? All access. And when I come before Him, I'm wearing His blood, right? And I'm like, Father, I'm coming. All access to you because of Him. It has nothing to do with me. Isn't that profound and powerful that that's how we get to come to Him? So if I were to summarize some different translations from this, here's my challenge. Let us draw near to God. Let us go right into the presence of God. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? Jesus, by his blood, gives us courage to enter so that we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God and have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies. So let us do so with true hearts and fullest confidence, sincere hearts fully trusting Him, in unqualified assurance and the absolute conviction engendered by faith, full of belief, confident that in Jesus we are presentable to Him. So would you stand with me? We want to have a time, we want to close this with some worship. And we're also going to close with a response. We did this a couple of weeks ago. And no, I'm not going to do this like every other week. But it felt appropriate because I know that there are some people here this morning that when you like come to, to, to a time of prayer that you struggle because there is a particular sin or a failing in your life and you're like, because of that, I, you shrink back, right? And you don't come to God in boldness. And if that is you and you struggle with that, and if it would be helpful, we have these crosses up here and I just invite you to come up to write on one of these sheets what that sin is or the thing that in your mind subjectively keeps you from Him. And by putting it on the cross, it's your way of saying, that does not keep me from going to the Father in prayer, right? It doesn't keep me from that. And I'm done with that, and I want to nail that thing to the cross, and I'm accepting His blood as the only basis of my ability to come to Him. And today I'm kind of putting a nail in and saying, like, I'm done with thinking that way. I'm done with that old Garen way of thinking, the thing that I struggled with so long. So if it would help you to come up and do that, to have that kind of experience of nailing that thing in and saying, from now on, it's only the blood of Jesus that I ever go to the Father. If that would help, come up and do that. Um, I said this two weeks ago. There's always people that want to come up, and everybody's a little passive. It's always helpful if somebody could be the first one. So if, if you're a person that this would be helpful, step out. Don't be afraid to do that. Um, if this is not helpful for you, that's fine. But can we, can we worship uh, the Father and worship Jesus our Lord? Thank you, Garen. 
before we get into the song, I just wanted to say, uh, walk us through a, a response to the word. And when we encounter the truth of the word, um, kind of, the Bible talks about what soil we are. What's the soil of our hearts? Now, a lot of us might sit in a sermon and think, boy, I sure hope so-and-so's hearing this. <laughs> this would be really good in their life. Oh, I've been there. Some of us might encounter the word and we think, and it hits us so deeply, and then we get stuck into the shame and the unworthiness. We think, I'm messed up now. Now I know. So anywhere on that gamut. Um, but the biblical response is that we repent. We confess and we repent. It means agree with the truth. So I feel like the Lord wants me to lead us in a response, which is going to be some raising your hand. Normal, like back in school. Raise your hand if you know the answer of this, okay? And I, I know this is kind of uncomfortable. Some people are like, we're in a Baptist church. Baptists do not raise our hands, okay? Uh, remind me where we're at. But you, how many of you have your coffee cups up in the cupboard? Do you reach up to get a cup for your coffee in the morning? Do you reach up to get a glass of water? Will you not reach your hand up for your Savior, for the truth, okay? So um, raise your hand if you have ever sinned. The Bible says all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if Jesus died for you. Jesus died for all. Put your hands down. Raise your hand if you have made Jesus your king or if you would like to do that today. Father, you are our king. Jesus, you are our king. We're going to sing this truth now, and I thank you for dying on the cross for us, not only for our salvation into heaven, but for our sanctification, this ongoing making us more holy to look like Jesus. We depend on you. We depend on you.
forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose your king. Jesus, that the altar's still open. That's something you need to surrender and not leave here with. 
just encourage you to do that. But you can do in your seats, too. Sometimes it's just nice to have that body response acting out a truth. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. some regrets this morning, huh? Leave behind some regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is
This is Palm Sunday. Next week we celebrate Easter. Um, if you would, on your way out, we have a booklet that will help walk you through Jesus' journey to the cross this week. We'll just follow along in the reading of all that happened to him leading to his death on the cross for our sin. There's uh, a scripture on each day related to specifically his forgiveness of us and metaphors for how rich and deep that is. So I really challenge you, grab one of these on the way out, read through that, really claim that forgiveness of of acceptance through the cross. Be here Thursday for our communion we're going to do on the night that he was actually betrayed and had his last supper. Come Friday for the journey to the cross. A lot of people came last year and appreciated it and loved it, so I challenge you to do that. I do want to end with, uh, with some final words from the book of Hebrews um, related to coming to God in boldness, something the Old Testament saints did not have, but that we do. And here's what the author said, a better hope has been introduced by which we draw near to God. He, Jesus, entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. <coughs> How much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? And we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, a hope that's firm and secure. So 12. I send you today living in the reality of his blood and letting that be the anchor of your soul. Come boldly before him, boldly before him. Father, <coughs> thank you for the blood of Christ that it, he didn't just die for my sin and that verdict of guilty to make me innocent, but how that you sent him to die to take care of those sub, that subject of guilt that I struggle with on a daily basis. And that that doesn't have to keep me from you, but that he died to take care of that. And my access is only through him. <coughs> so help us daily to come with boldness and confidence that that pathway is pray, paved with his blood. And I can come to you any time, no matter how I performed or not performed. I come to you on his blood. So may we live that way. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, 12th, you're sent.